Well, praise God. So today, uh, our youth have been reading through the book of Romans, and I, I read ahead and um, earlier in the week and just kind of got stuck on this scripture. And so if you can go ahead and put up Romans 12, 1 and 2, it just seemed really good to talk about this this morning. And so let's look at that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a lot just right there in that scripture. But it's so powerful. The word of God is so powerful. It's alive. It's so different than reading uh, a novel. You know, you read the, the Bible. It is God speaking directly to us. It changes us. It causes us to uh, receive revelation of who he is and what he's doing in and through us and for today. And so I want to look at Romans 12.2 in the NLT. And it says it just a little bit different. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I have a couple other translations that we don't have a slide for uh, this morning, but I just want to share with you because it it brings a, a slightly different emphasis on that. Uh, in the NIRV, it says, don't live the way this world lives. Not a truth. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you will be able to test what God wants for you. You will, uh, and you will agree that what he wants is right. Isn't that amazing? What he wants is right. His plan is good and pleasing and perfect. I just love that. You know, sometimes you think of God as, you know, if, if you've had any traditional type of thoughts or whatever, you kind of think of God as being rough and tough and he's going to make you do things that you don't want to do and he's just hard. But right here, it says that his plan for your life and for my life is good and pleasing and perfect. So when we do things his way, it produces a result that we actually want in our life. And so let's look at uh, Romans 12, 2 in the voice. And again, I just kind of like how it is saying this. It says, do not allow this world to mold you into its image. Have you ever felt like the world is trying to mold you? <laughs> Have you, you? Can you see what's going on all around us? Doesn't it seem like there's a pressure to conform, to be like everybody else, to think the way other people think? So do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. As a result, you will be able to discern what God wills 
and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. And so praise God, we have uh, the ability to know what is good and pleasing and complete to him. You know, uh, let's look at just what conformed means, like just to kind of see that definition. It means to be similar or identical, you know, to the world or to God. Which one should we conform to? Should we be similar or identical? How about to be obedient or compliant? Should we do what everybody else is doing and just go with the flow and just, you know, not make any waves on anything? Or to act in accordance with prevailing standards or customs? You know, uh, I'm getting older. Keep telling you guys that. Over the years, I have seen things change. What uh, used to be not right to do is now right to do. What used to be morally wrong for the just common sense is not that common sense anymore. And there's a pressure to say, I agree with that change. And you know, as Christians, there is an intensity of trying to go and make you feel guilty that you think the way that you do. And so today, I just want to encourage us on this, okay? Uh, Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. Why do we sometimes feel uncomfortable why why is our spirit sometimes a little uncomfortable when certain things are being done when certain things are said when certain pressures are coming against us so isaiah 5 20 and 21 woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So we do not want to side in with those that call evil good and good evil. You know, and uh, we are in a war. The Bible tells us that. We, we're not fighting flesh and blood. So it's not the person that's putting the pressure and yelling the loudest that we're in a war with. That's not who the fight is against, but it is a fight to push back, to, to continue to have light where there's darkness, and to believe the word of God in spite of what the pressure is to go against the word of God in our lives. Amen. And so let's look at uh, John 8, 44. So we have God who is truth, but this is, he's not the only one. In John 8, 44, it says to, this is speaking directly to Pharisees and scribes who were coming against Jesus as the Messiah. And this is what he tells them directly. You are of your father, the devil. Uh, you know, this is Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just have to tell you, that was, I would cringe to try to say something like that to someone. But Jesus did it. He spoke directly because he cared for them. He was trying to shake them up and say, look, the path you're going on is wrong. So everyone in here has a tender heart towards God. He does not speak to us like this because we want to serve him. But these were scribes and Pharisees who were trying to kill him. You know, you kind of have different strokes for different folks, right? All right, so you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So I'm bringing that here as um, I'm, I'm letting you know that there are things at play in the world that are not from God. There are thoughts, there are attitudes, there are pressures that are coming from the world that are not coming from God himself. He is not the one that calls evil good. There is a truth, and then there is a deception. So those two are at work in the world right now, and it is our job as Christians to decide which one we're going to conform to. Which one are we going to agree with? Are we going to agree with what everybody is saying that goes against the word of God, or are we going to agree with the word of God? And uh, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 3 through 5, or 3 through 4. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Okay, we are not like this. We are the ones who can see the light, who can see the truth, because we've got God on the inside of us. But what I want to also point out is there is a God of this age who blinds people. There is a God of that, that has dominion, and that is the devil. He is God with the little g. He, he was given authority on the earth because Adam handed it to him. And so he is running around. He is seeking whom he can take out. He doesn't play fair. We've seen he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He twists things. He makes things. He causes confusion. And so our job is to be on guard for this, to be aware of this. And it, it's not that he's all powerful. So let's look at 1 John uh, 4, and five. First John five, four and five, sorry. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Isn't that awesome? So, yes, we have an adversary. Yes, we have pressures. Yes, we have things that come at us and try to 
uh, make us conform to a way that's not godly, but God has said that he causes us to triumph. He is, he's overcome the world, and then he's on the inside of us, and he's leading us, and he's guiding us, and he's helping us to be able to see what is that plan that is good and pleasing and perfect. And so if we're following after him, guess what? If we're doing things his way, we're not missing out. It doesn't matter what the world says and the pressure says that, oh, you're just not having fun. Back to stories. When I was in high school, everyone went to the river to drink. I mean, that was just the pastime. And you were not cool if you didn't go to the river and drink. And so I wanted to be cool. You know, I mean, there's just that pressure. You want to fit in. You want to be awesome. There was one trouble. There was one problem. My parents wouldn't let me go. And so it kind of caused a problem with me fitting in. And so I didn't get to go. And I just have to tell you, I wasn't compliant and just like, oh, Thank you so much. I'm really glad you're not letting me go to the river. Even though I really want to go, I know you know more than I do. <laughs> and I'm just so happy that I'm staying at home by myself in my room while everyone else is partying. And I'm going to get to hear about it on Monday. <laughs> it didn't work like that. I threw fits. I was very upset. My life was being, you know, I'm being held back. And being a Christian just wasn't fun. You didn't get to go and party and, drunk and get drunk and get pregnant and drop out of school. It was awful. <laughs> so I thought. <laughs> I say that to say, then when I was 25, I thanked my mom. <laughs> I thanked my dad. I was like, thank God you didn't let me go to the river. <laughs> thank God I graduated and I went on to college and then I went on and did stuff and, and then I got married and, and thank God, you know. So I say that to lead into our next thing about not being conformed. All right, so today I want to emphasize a little bit about relationships between parents and children. There are beliefs in our society that go against the word of God when it comes to parenting. And we have to be careful who we are listening to. You know, there's a lot of thoughts out there and a lot of things that sound very intellectual and right. And, you know, there's a PhD behind the person's name that's writing it. And so therefore, it has to be truth, right? Except it doesn't work. <laughs> I can remember, uh, you know, in the 70s, I was little, so I kind of don't really remember it, but I know kind of what was going on. So there became this pressure for uh, not to discipline your kids. It wasn't cool. And how many of you 
parents feel that pressure today. <laughs> like, sometimes you're, you just feel like, you know, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? And there's a lot of people with PhDs behind their name that would love to instruct you on how to do it. But that doesn't mean that it lines up with the Word of God. So what do we do when we are in um, a place where we have this idea and we need to stop and say, okay, where is this idea coming from? Is this biblical or is this man's idea? Is this the world's way of doing things? Because I can guarantee you, if you haven't noticed, the world keeps getting more and more messed up. So, those parenting techniques that they keep professing work and are awesome are not working. And so we have to, as Christians, decide, are we going to side in with the way that society says that we need to raise our children, or are we going to side in with what the Word of God says on how we need to raise our children? And as children, children, are you going to side in with the way everybody else sees that it should be done? Or are you going to side in with what the Word of God says that it should be done? So it's a two-way street. It's not just parents, and it's not just kids. It's a two-way street that we are combining together. And so I'm going to read a scripture, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. They know what they're talking about. They've made the same mistakes, or they're trying to keep you from making mistakes. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This is so important. This was the first commandment that God gave and said, if you do this, you're going to have long life that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. What I want to emphasize in is bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And a lot of times, fathers think that that says mothers. But mothers do train their children in the training and admonition of the Lord. But this is God speaking to fathers. It's not something that fathers just hand it over and say, okay, you're the spiritual one in the home. You get to go and make sure that our kids serve God. It is something that fathers and mothers do together. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So, um, fathers, provoking your children to wrath, sometimes that is you can be rules without love. It's very black and white, hard, and uh, that will produce rebellion. But what we do want to have is rules. Sometimes women, they get all squishy. 
well, you know what, I know, you know, you really want to be with your friends, and yeah, I really don't want you to, you know, not fit in, and they can get a little bit squirmy and all this kind of stuff and just begin to fudge a little, and then you have the fathers that are coming in and balancing. We have balance. We need balance, and, and so sometimes guys can be the ones that come in and say, uh-uh, I'm training in you to follow after God. And they reinforce things. They are the reinforcers. And so it's very important that it is a team effort, that it's not just looked upon as our kids are messed up and it's your fault. <laughs> no, this is a team thing. <laughs> We're in this together. So we're both working to train and um, teach them about uh, things of God. Let's look up at Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a promise. That is a promise for parents. You are putting things into your children when they are young, and you stand on that promise and believe that promise even as they get older. Even if you don't like what you're seeing, you just keep believing that. No, Lord, you said if I put that into them, if I'm, if I'm instructing them, if I'm putting the things of God into them, it's going to stick with them as they get older. And we just keep putting that into our children. But there is this idea that has evolved into society that parents shouldn't train. They should let their kids figure it out for themselves. So when they're little, you know, they should just dress however they feel. I'm going to use this because it's a really easy example. So a two-year-old thinks that they want to wear a swimming suit when it's snow on the ground. Why? Because they don't understand that they're going to freeze when they go outside. They don't understand the consequences that comes with a swimsuit in, you know, 30-degree weather. It just, those two don't go together. Who's supposed to train that child? Just let them figure it out for themselves? Okay, how about this? Should we just let our, fi our kids figure out um, if they want to eat vegetables or fruit. You know, my kid just doesn't like anything but goldfish. And so should we just let them eat only goldfish? Okay, no. Okay, it seems obvious when you do that. But how many times do parents, it, the, the pressure is to cave? and say, you know what, my kid doesn't like that, so I'm going to make a meal for the rest of the family and then a meal for my child that doesn't like what I'm making. And we have to be careful because the world would agree with you. Society would say, yes, you know, it's really important that your child feels like they are able to express themselves and, and that they're individuals and that the world caters to them. They need to know this. They wouldn't say that last part, but that's what's happening. And what happens when children are catered to is that it doesn't make them respectful. It doesn't make them loving. It doesn't make them kind. 
you know, because that's what we would be told, is that it's going to make them very kind if they are never told no. Do you know what happens? It makes them brats. It makes them self-centered. It makes them think that the world revolves around them. And we have to be very careful on this because uh, we are surrounded by experts that would agree that they need to be told, left alone to themselves and figure it out. In fact, a lot of these experts are now entering into schools and saying, we know better than your parents for you. And it's beginning to be one of these things where these experts are now being esteemed and valued by schools more than what parents are saying and wanting to teach their children. And so, but that, that's, that's not where it ends. Praise God, that doesn't have to be a negative thing. Let's look at what the definition of indoctrinate means. Indoctrinate means to instruct in a body of doctrine or principles. Uh, the second definition is to influence with a partisan or ideological point of view. So if we are not indoctrinating our children, guess what? Somebody else will. If we're not putting our influence, if we're not putting things into our children, somebody else will take that role for us. And it's happening all over the place. That's why so many parents, uh, their kids are grown, and they're like, I don't know what happened. My kid just went crazy. But if we are not putting, if we're not training, if we're not teaching, if we're not putting things into our children, somebody else is. And if they're not getting countered by the truth at home, then they are going to just say, oh, well, isn't that right? That's what everybody is saying. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Let's look at Romans 10, 13 through 17. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So how are our children going to have faith? They're going to have it by hearing. They're going to have it by us putting things into them, by us explaining things to them, encouraging them. When they come home, we ask questions. What did you learn today in school? What are they teaching you? Doesn't mean that they're only teaching you two plus two equals four. That's not what's happening anymore. Things have progressed. It's now a lot of opinion and ideology that is being taught in school, not just facts. And on top of that, uh, there is, um, in some ways, a rebelliousness that is being 
you know, our children are constantly around. Rebellion against traditions. Now, there are some things that our, our um, ancestors were hard on, and there, there was maybe a truth, but done imperfectly. And so because of that, let's just throw everything away. That means that it doesn't work at all. No, that's not what we need to do. Instead, what we do is we take the truth that is based on the word of God and we stand on that and throw away the parts that were the, uh, the things that were the extras, that was just humanity, that wasn't right. You know, we want to love people. We don't want to be so hard on people that were mean and, and come across like that. But at the same time, if our children are not hearing the word of God in the homes, if they're not hearing it from parents, and if they're only hearing it hit and miss at church, what is the majority of what they're getting? It's this other thought, and it's not something that is coming from God. And so we have to be aware. We have to be on guard. You know, uh, some of this is going to be a little meddling here and there. So this one is. Um, Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is added. So added to you. So I've been a Christian for a long time. So I'm just going to keep drawing on that experience. Um, I have heard a lot of adults change their plans of going to church on Sunday because they need to do something with the grandkids or their kids want them to come over or they so I just just throwing this out what message is that sending to our children just just a thought I'm done meddling all right there are ideas out there that we need to let our children figure things out for themselves or we shouldn't make our children go to church because if we do, that's going to make them rebel. So let me ask you this question. If you're not making your children go to church, are you making them go to school? So why, why is it okay to make them go to school but not go to church? Who do you think that thought came from? Where do you think that uh, idea, who, who's, who's motivating that kind of thinking. And so uh, we should let our children choose what they want to believe when they get into middle school or high school. All right. So again, who, who's the one that's giving us that idea? Who, who's, who's behind that, that philosophy? You know, we have to judge things according to the word. If all they are hearing are thoughts and ideas that go against the Bible at school, then and they are not hearing the Bible, who's going to be shaping their ideas? Who's the one that's, that's causing them to do? Uh, what about, okay, I'm going to meddle again. Just for a, just a brief, just, just a thought. <clears throat> all right. What do we do when activities happen at the same time as church should we put our kids in those activities just a thought 
yeah, but my kid's going to be the next Red Sox player. Okay. But are they going to be saved? Which is more important? <laughs> I, I'm just saying there's sometimes this thought that we don't want to hold our children back. And we have to be careful because, again, what are we saying is more important to our children? The event or what the word says? And we have to be careful. Uh, I'll tell you a story. So our kids, we're all in soccer. Now, mind you, we have four kids. And Jim was working as a, a software engineering manager at the time and pastoring the church. And um, I was staying home with the kids and volunteering in the church. So whatever needed to be done that Jim couldn't do, I was doing. So we had four kids in sports and began to realize that we were never having dinner together and that I could not follow through to say, make sure you, uh, you know, have picked up after dinner because we were running constantly all the time. There was just so much stuff going on. And then Saturday, you have four kids in sports. Guess what your Saturday looks like? <laughs> you are running all day long to different places. And then you're splitting up. So you want to say, okay, this is just family time. No, it isn't. We're divided. We're going here and there and everywhere. <laughs> And you've expended all this energy. You only have so much time and energy, which is why a lot of people then on Sunday are too tired to come to church because they spent it all on Saturday. So I meddled. But I'm telling you these truths. I just am throwing these things out not to be um, hard, but to just open our eyes. See, what is our motivation behind it? So at first, when um, the kids were little, I can remember Brianna was in gymnastics, and you know everyone thinks that your child is is going to be the next Olympic star, right? That's why you put them in things, right? Well, at least that's you know the teachers start telling you, oh she's good, and you're just like really. That's so exciting. <laughs> I just want you to know that when she finished, she still couldn't do a cartwheel. I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> if you spend that much money, they should at least have gotten that, you know, she could do a cartwheel. That was wrong. I think she did figure it out, though, but it was her friends that taught her. But I'm just telling you. Okay, so why do we tell these stories to just, put things out there. A lot of times we do things. We want to empower our children. We want them to have the best. We want them to have things that we didn't have when we were kids. You know, We want them to have these experiences. And there's a pressure. When we took our kids out of soccer, can I just tell you the pressure? It's like you just wanted to go hide in a corner. I don't see you. I'm walking as fast as I can. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you because I know you're going to say, why did you take your kid out? They were really good. I'm like, yes, but they need to be in church on Sunday and we have to be ready. <laughs> we have to have something to give on Sunday and we can't do both. 
So I'm not saying you can't have your kids and things. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to understand what's the cost and what's the priority. If the priority of them excelling in something takes them away from the things of God, that is a huge sacrifice that we are making. So for when I, when I was growing up, <laughs> going to keep doing that. When I was growing up, things weren't open on Sundays. You, you just, I mean, you could not go to Walmart on a Sunday. Can you believe that? Now, I have to tell you, I sometimes go to Walmart on Sundays because it's very convenient. But when I was growing up, you didn't. The only things that were open was like Dairy Queen. And so you went after church to Dairy Queen and hung out and had fellowship. And the people at Dairy Queen couldn't go to church. But that's what you did, all right? And so on Wednesdays, um, they didn't give you homework because Wednesday was church night. Can you believe that? You didn't get... Now, I have another story. When I was in high school... My English teacher was having everybody read, I don't know if it was Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn, I can't remember which one it was. It was one of those, and it had the D word. If you don't know what the D word is, ask your kid, because they hear it all the time. But anyways, I'm sure everyone in here knows what the D word is. So my teacher came up to me and said, look, Here's the, this book has a D word. If you aren't comfortable in reading it, it was a swear word. If you're not comfortable, I can give you another book to read. And so you know what? I read the other book. I didn't even read the book that everybody else was reading. Now, my kids come home with some stuff, and I'm like, you're in sixth grade. Why are you reading this? <laughs> there, the, there's been a big difference. There's a big change that has happened in our society from the time that when I was young to even now. And you know what? It was even more conservative before my time when I was growing up. I mean, we had, you know, Ozzy Osbourne and all those kind of people were starting to rise to prominence. Before it was Elvis Presley. Ozzy Osbourne makes Elvis Presley look really, really good. You know? I mean... Just kind of the things, how things have progressed. Now, you, you just don't even want to know what's in some of the songs that are being sung today. My kids just were in the talent show, and they told me, because we don't listen to it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They're singing that kind of stuff? No wonder everyone's so messed up. <laughs> we have to be careful what's being put into us over and over, because you know what? Those thoughts... And those ideas that are getting put into us are shaping our way of thinking. So if we're constantly watching things that have just a little bit of sin in it, before you know it, it becomes the norm. And that's what's been happening to society over and over and over. Hollywood is going and helping the norm to shift more and more and more. And we have to be aware of that as parents. We have to be careful of that. So, uh, you know, 
I said earlier that there's a lot of rebellion that is in society today. We have to be aware of that. As, as kids, we need to be aware of this, this tactic. Let's look um, at that scripture that I gave you. Let's see. First Samuel, do you have that one? First Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as, as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. So we have to be careful because there is this thing that is telling us to question everything. That, and and uh, so I want to touch on that, to question everything. There's two ways to do that. The world's philosophy of questioning everything leads to confusion because there's no stability of what truth is. So that keeps shifting, 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 shifting. So then you're questioning, you're being told you're a great thinker, you're, you're very smart to ponder and to, you know, understand where that person is coming from that murdered someone. You know, let's figure it out. Maybe it was because they were abused at, as a child. And so then we begin to make murder seem less and less of a bad thing because, well, they only did that because they were in a bad home. And so things begin to get shifty and shaky and morality begins to be like, well, you know what? It's, it, it doesn't matter. We, we don't really know when life begins. It's whenever the mom wants life to begin because then that's really when life begins. And we start shifting and shaking and, and confusing things. And if we're not careful, uh, we are a mess. Because we don't know up from down. What is truth? And so I'm going to find my scripture here. That it... Okay, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we do not have a stability as to what is truth, it will continue to shape and, and cause things to just go like this. Let's look at Matthew 7, 24 to 27. If we, if we don't have something that's stabilizing what we believe and what we think, and we're not saying that, okay, the world says it's okay. You know, the world says a lot of things to teenagers and to young adults on, on the subject of relationships that are incorrect. Have you, have you been noticing that? There's a lot of things. You know, when I was growing up, it was starting to become commonplace for people to live together. You know, you don't need to get married. Just try it out. Try before you buy, kind of. So by the time I got into college, that was a pretty prevalent idea. And people easily, you know, just jumped into that and, and went with that idea because uh, it was 
There are PhDs and, and all sorts of different people that said it was okay. But the Bible did not say that it is okay. It says, and it's not because we are supposed to just be prudent and just, you know, not enjoying life. No, it, it, we said from the beginning that we may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if God is saying it for us, this is the good and perfect will of God for us. And, and there's a benefit that comes from it. He's not trying to hold us back. You know, I thought my mom was holding me back and my dad were holding me back by not letting me go to the river and get drunk and have that experience. But you know what? It was for my good. I didn't understand it at the time. But thank God she didn't give in to my fits. Sometimes as parents, we, can, we have to be careful that we don't want to, you know, we didn't do things right, so we don't want to, you know, stand on a holier ground for our kids because we messed up. But you know what? Even if you messed up, then you speak from your experience. Hey, I have seen where this leads you, and this is the path you don't want to go down. So you don't have to run from your past. It's, it's like, well, I can't say anything because I messed up. You know what? I threw a fit, but I still tell my kids not to throw fits. You know what I mean? I still tell them that they have to obey, even though I didn't obey everything perfectly as a child. And so I say this to encourage you, to empower you as parents, that uh, we, we have the word of God. As a, as, a, as a parent of four, I understand I have not parented perfectly. You know, uh, you know that scripture where uh, Jesus, they, they brought to him the woman caught in, a, in adultery, and he said, he who has sinned, be the, who, who has never sinned, be the first to throw the stone. And, and the first people to leave were the older people. <laughs> okay, so uh, as I get older and have more mistakes that I've made, I understand that I'm not in a place to judge and not in a place to uh, put down, belittle people for choices because we that's not the point of it. But at the same time, I also realize that even if I haven't done something perfectly, it is my job to still help. <laughs> and I still put into my children, even if I didn't do everything that I'm putting into them, I'm still going to encourage them because it's the word of God. And the word of God is truth. And the word of God brings peace. And the word of God brings hope. And it is a good and acceptable and perfect will that he wants for us. And so as I'm giving them the word of God, as I'm sharing today with you guys, it's not that I've done everything perfectly and it's not that you have to do everything perfectly, but it is that you take a hold of the truth of the word of God and he helps us. He helps us to go and walk it out with our children and walk it out with those that are in our lives. Have you ever noticed um, that uh, 
mocking, belittling, things like that. When, when you don't conform, that's kind of at this intimidation that tries to come. And the thing is with God, it, it isn't like that. God is not up there mocking you. He's not belittling you. He's not uh, intimidating you. He's giving you a free choice. He's saying, you know what? Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day what you're going to do. It's not something that he's like, okay, you messed up and now everything's going to just fall apart. No, but he's telling you that as you follow him, as you do things his way, there is going to be uh, a good and acceptable and perfect will that will come to pass in your life. And so that's what we as, as parents and as teenagers are wanting. We want that good and perfect and acceptable will. And so if we're conforming to the world and that is contrary to the way that God would do things, if we do things the way the world is doing it, we are going to have results that are not good and acceptable and perfect. And a lot of times, the world is easy to and quick to say bad behavior is because you have this. When really is that parents haven't said no. And we have to be careful. Uh, there is more ADHD than there ever was when I was growing up. Everything gets labeled that and medicines are thrown here and there. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't some cases, but I'm just saying there's a lot of cases that maybe it wasn't, it was just the fact that parents didn't say no, sit still. No, uh, you know, there's a time and a place. No, we don't make our children sit still all day long. They do need to run. They do need to play. They need to get out. They need to exercise. That's, that's part of being a kid. But then there's times when they come to church and they need to sit still. And there's times when they're in a classroom receiving the word of God and they need to sit still. And they don't want to daydream. And they want to be focused on what's going on because it's for their good. It's going to help them. And so as parents, I'm just saying these things and just throwing out little things here and there and everywhere. If it doesn't fit, throw it away. But if it does, hold on to it and ask God for his help because you know what? He, will, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So as parents, you can do all things. You can instruct. You can stand firm. You can love. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. As teenagers, you can obey. You can listen. You can excel in school. You can be all that God has called you to be. You are not without hope. You are not the underdog. You are not the one that is messed up. The pathway that people are taking is messed up if it goes contrary to the word of God. Your path is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Wouldn't you rather that? Amen. Wouldn't you rather that? Maybe not 
exactly because you don't understand life experiences, how that there's consequences. But when you get older, trust me, and you're 25, you're going to look back and say, thank you. Thank you, parents. Thank you for not letting me do what everybody else did. Thank you for not letting me smoke pot. It's not legal. So parents, I just can't make my kids stop smoking pot. Yes, you can. Do they have a phone? Take it away. You have power. We have power as parents. Sometimes we think our hands are tied and we just can't do anything. No! Who gave you that thought? Was that from God? Because God said train. God said it's your responsibility. And so we take that and we run with it. And then we ask God for his help. And so thank you guys. This isn't, I don't know. It's kind of an odd service, kind of an odd sermon maybe. But I just want you to know it's done out of love. It's done because we do have the ability to have something different. As Christians, we have the ability to have kids that love God, that are serving him, that are going to grow up and not run from the things of God, but run to the things of God. That is our future as we do things his way. We're not going to conform to the world and say, okay, well, this is what the PhD says. It goes against the Bible, but I'm going to take what he says or she says. No, I'm going to take what the word of God says because that's going to give me a good, acceptable, and perfect will for my life, for my children's life, for my family, for my home, and I'm going to hold fast to that which is good. I'm not going to call evil good and good evil. I'm going to hold fast to what the truth is, and I'm going to do things God's way because if I do it another way, it's not going to be the result I want.